Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. into Del Taco for the Honey Mango Crispy Chicken Taco. Del Taco's newest crispy chicken taco is just $1. Price and participation may vary. Winged Nation presents, presented by Driving DRF Racing Oils. One of the great aspects of sprint car racing is the family nature of the sport. And in the state of Ohio, no family stands higher than the Jacobs family. Pete Jacobs, years and years ago, carved out the Wayne County Speedway in Orville. His son, Kenny Jacobs, is a Hall of Famer with a great driving career and continues today to be just one of the great guys in the sport of sprint car racing. Then there's Kenny's daughter, Kendra. Kendra Jacobs, the marketing director at Knoxville Raceway and one of the original co-hosts of Wing Nation, she has such a passion for the sport and is carrying on the Jacobs tradition. At the Knoxville Nationals last year, Aaron Evernham caught up with Kendra. With thousands of laps long, Dryden's DRF racing oils were built and proven on the track, and now they're ready for your race engine. DRF is engineered exclusively for high-horsepower racing engines that require maximum performance against the toughest competition. And DRF racing and brake-in oils are built with competition-grade ZDVP to protect critical engine components while boasting improved torque and horsepower and superior temperature reduction. To get DRF in your engine, go to drfracing.com or call 1-877-DRY-D. And now, here is Aaron and Kendra. Kendra Jacobs, uh, you grew up in Ohio. Your dad is a very famous sprint car driver. But talk about your very early years and, like, what was it like growing up in Ohio? Um, I guess it was, it was hard to say I grew up in Ohio because I grew up kind of <laughs> everywhere. You know, like, we went to the races constantly. And um, I remember we would leave, like, Friday when school would get over and go with Dad, wherever it was, whether he was racing in Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and we would get home really late on Sunday nights, if we would get home on Sunday nights. And then you'd go to school and start all over again. It's yeah. the same process. And I think it took me to, like, fourth or fifth grade to realize that not everybody lived like that. <laughs> like, I just thought that was normal living. Yeah. Um, but Ohio is, you know, I probably took it for granted growing up there. But it's so beautiful. And yeah. it's, and it's Am- we live right in the middle of Amish country. So it's, like, 90% Amish around us. And it's rolling hills and farms and just a slow pace of life. And 
Um, now I really value that. When yeah. I was a kid, I probably thought it was really boring. Um, but it's really cool when the Amish would come out and watch Dad fire up his engine and go up and down the road in the sprint car. <laughs> so you know, there's like a buggy and then a sprint car. So it was, I mean, it was cool. And, you know, he grew up in an area. It was him and then the Hot and Shields, Ed and Jack, yeah. and Brad Doty. Yeah. And they all, like, went to school together. They were all friends. And they all, you know, their careers just kind of all blew up and, and it's cool to see that come from one small area. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you about that. You have like this extended family, like mm-hmm. there are the Dodies, <laughs> the Hodden Shields. Uh, what has that been like, just how that's carried on? Like to this day, I see that you guys are still, sometimes I don't know which is a cousin yeah. which one, just a, a <laughs> Well, there's so many of yeah. us. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's so funny, so many people ask us, now how are you related? Uh, yeah. to, so my mom's sister is married to Jack's brother. Okay. So my grandfather, okay. my poor grandfather's two daughters, married race car drivers. Oh, man. And I'm sure that that was like a heart attack, you know, waiting to happen for him. Um, but it's really cool that we, we are all kind of related. Yeah. So when good things happen to Sheldon or good things happen to Raquel or Jack or Patty or, you know, that that's all of us feels like family. So are they act like their second cousins? Or they're, like, well, some... they're kind of by marriage. So Jack's Still, brother is yeah. my uncle, so I kind of count them as yeah. relatives. Um, I remember hanging She's out with them a lot when we were kids. And then Brad is just kind of thrown in because he was Brad. one of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was, we were just always together. And, and I truly believe, I mean, I was young when Brad's accident happened. Yeah. But I believe that that kind of, that moment made that group even closer. Um, and it was just this kind of bond of, okay, we've been through hell. Yeah. And we're all dealing with this together. And I know I won't forget, even though I was young, being in that hospital and wow. um, all of our motorhomes were parked in the hospital parking lot. Wow. So, like, so everyone how old went, were you when that happened? Oh, my goodness. Um, I cannot remember the exact year, but I would have to think I was maybe eight or nine, oh, so you, maybe. Like, certainly like I knew what know, was going yeah. on. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the memories of it just being out there in all of our motorhomes, like, basically went from Eldora to the hospital. And we just camped out there for a few days. So was it was it scary growing up watching your dad race, or did you not? It never scared me ever. <laughs> like, and I think it's because I knew him, that was the only way I knew him. Yeah. Like from the moment I was born, he was a race car driver. Yeah. That's the only dad I knew. Now, when my brother races, I get super nervous because yeah. I'm like, no, he's not capable of this. Like, he's this little kid <laughs> that's a brat, and like he breaks stuff and he's ornery and rot. Like, I still see him as like an eight year old kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when my brother raises, I get really nervous, but I never, ever did with that, ever. Maybe a little bit when he was at the end of his career. Yeah. He'd gotten hurt a few well, times. when he came back from retirement a few times. Yeah, which was just dumb. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and I think every driver has to get to that point where they choose to leave. Yeah. You know, the doctor might say you're injured, this is probably yeah. not smart. But I think after investing that much of your life into something, you get the, the honor of choosing yeah. when you're done. Yeah. And you don't let that up to a doctor. I would agree for sure. Yeah. So what was a, a day like as a child going to the racetrack with your dad <laughs> racing? Like, what what was that like for you with your, your siblings, your mom? Yeah, we were so close. I mean, we lived basically, especially when dad raced with the World of Outlaws, we lived in like a 38-foot motorhome. And that was before slide-outs. Like, that was before <laughs> campers got big. So we were in a really confined space. So my sister was my best friend. She still is. Yeah. But I think because we lived like that, we became even closer. Mm-hmm. And there were no other kids our age. Like, Steve Kinzer's kids were a lot yeah. younger. There's no iPads. So, right. Like, we had to entertain ourselves. Yeah. And I remember it was like, you did not want to say, I'm so bored. Because my mom was one of those ones that would get out. Like, here's a map of, of the United <laughs> States. And you're going to write every country name. And you're like, 
Oh, I'm not bored. I'm good. Like, I'm totally good. I'll I was stare lying. out the window. I'm yeah, fine. Like, I'm t- I was lying when I said I was bored. Um, but I remember, even in a 38-foot motorhome, you know, dad would be in the driver's seat, mom would be up in the passenger seat, and we would all literally be, like, my sister and I kneeling in between the two seats, yeah. my brother sitting on the back of the couch right up by dad's head, and we have all this space, and we're all oh, like okay. this on each other. <laughs> but we were so close. I mean, we just... We loved what dad did. We loved that what he did made a family affair out of it. Mm -hmm. And that we could do all that stuff together. I mean, it really is amazing what a race car driver's career gives to their family. Well, it's funny because I feel like it can go the opposite way. If you know, if your family's not on the road, it can. So it's neat that your father and your mother, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. They made a priority. Yeah. Like the kids and the family have to be together as much as possible. That's awesome. Um, It was awesome. It was great. And, um, I, I will never forget those years. It was amazing. I've heard you talk a lot about being here at the Nationals when you were younger. Like this, you were in one spot for a few days. Yep. I heard you talk about running around. With, I don't know if it was Brian Brown or someone. Oh, this place was- Nationals was epic because we would <laughs> literally get here, and Mom and Dad said, "I think it was heaven for them too," because they'd say, "Okay, go. You guys stay, yeah. stay on this side of the street. Don't cross Highway 14. And if you just stay on property, you have total freedom. Yeah. Come and go as you please." Check in now and then. And they also had, like, you and Jen, my older sister, you guys have to stay together because they knew we'd tell on each other. I think that was their plan all the time. Like, if one of them messes up, they're going to tell on each other. But we made friends. um, I was probably about 12 years old when I met brothers named AJ and Billy Moddit, which AJ is now the owner of Dingus. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we met when I was about 12 years old. I met Brian Brown then. He became my boyfriend. Like, we were the only two that, like, on the road at the same time. They were about the same age because he was always on the road with Danny. Yeah. Um... So like we oh, had I didn't this little this little romance. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Back when we were like thirteen, fourteen, so cute, you know. Um, but we did. We had like this little like pack of friends that we would literally only see at the Knoxville Nationals. But I still look back and think they are some of the best friends I've made in my life. That's you cool. see them for five days a year, and they are your closest friends. And it was always hard. It was kind of bittersweet at Knoxville because it was basically the last race of the year and you'd have to go yeah. back and start school yeah. so that drive home on sunday my mom would say she hated that drive because dad would stay out here oh, to go to california she's driving home three crying kids <laughs> that are saying how much we like we hate leaving we don't want to go home i feel like a lot of people deal with the sunday blues here oh it's awful yeah. it's even worse if you stay yes it's yeah. better to leave than to stay oh and everyone else is gone yes you wake up and you're like oh. it's a ghost town it's just heartbreaking <laughs> but it was it was really cool here like my first memory of Knoxville I think I was six years old and the grandstands were so much smaller and it had rained a lot that year and there were a bunch of guys like they made these little pot you know the tin pie pans yeah and they filled them with mud but they kept calling it poop but the the other word and they were sitting there like they lined the whole midway with it and they were yelling don't step in it you know they were like yelling at everybody and that's all they did all day. So as a six-year-old, that memory is, like, ingrained in my brain <laughs> of these drunk race fans. And I remember my aunt was walking with me, and she had, like, a pink mini jean skirt on. And they made a huge deal about that. So, like, a six-year-old little girl is like, oh, this is what Knoxville is. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is pretty cool. Much in some it's ways. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like, I love it. Like, part, you know, I want to bring that back. Feel. Like, that feel back. and. Uh, and not make people feel that they have to act a certain way yes. while they're here. So, um, yeah, the, Knoxville was everything. It was what we lived for all year round. That is so, that is awesome to hear. So, did you ever want to drive? 
No. Never. Oh gosh, no. You, no. You, my sister? sister drove. Oh really? My brother drove and still drives. Uh, my sister was really good. Like really? if my dad would have let her keep racing, he I know, right? That's gotta be like I mean, pain for he's you. Already, uh, yeah. Yes. Well we already had a little issue last night, your dad and I so. Oh well I don't I don't even know if I wanna know <laughs> no, because no, I'll go back and be like fun. Dad He's still challenging me to that, that race. So oh. He still wants to have her. No, he does not need to be even well, near a race. Neither car. of us do. No, neither oh my goodness. But he he brought it up. Now I gotta go talk to him. okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, my sister was a very good race car driver and so was my brother. And they asked me if I wanted to race, and I said, absolutely not. And they put me in a quarter midget, like, just in our family driveway. And I about took out the very first light pole and instantly said, no, this yeah. is not. I was the one, like, we'd have, like, quarter midget days, like, the entire yeah. day in Columbus. Oh, yeah. And I would be the, the nerdy kid up in the grandstands reading a book. And that's all I did. So they would all be working on cars and racing cars, and I'm up and reading a book. So were you a really good student that you were reading? I was. I, yeah. I mean, Yes. <laughs> I was. I was really into school, and um, I actually was the one kid in our family that hated racing. Really? I didn't love it. I didn't want to go. It was, like, it took me to getting to, like, 13, 14 years old where I started loving it. Like, really? I started making friends. I felt like, I think when I was younger, because I didn't race, I didn't feel like I belonged. Gotcha. But as I got older and made friends... And kind of started establishing your own little place in the sport. Yeah. Then it got to be much more fun for me. So about those years when I met Brian and AJ yeah. and everybody here at Knoxville, that's when I started seeing like, okay, this, you know, like I don't have to drive. Yeah. To belong. So I think that's when everything changed, and I actually started liking racing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were even high school, college, did you know you wanted to go in motorsports or? Um, I, I did. Um, I don't think I knew exactly what I wanted to do in racing until I was a, probably a freshman. It was either my senior year of high school or my freshman year of college. Um, I got somebody gave us tickets to a kart race in Cleveland at the airport. And I thought, oh, this will be cool. Let's go. And I took some of my friends from high school and we all went and I kept paying attention to the people who were like on golf carts and had yeah. radios. And what are all these people doing? Like, what is that job? And I really, really fell in love with it. I was yeah. like, I asked some of them that day and talked to them about what they did. And um, that's kind of, I think, when I knew, okay, I want to work in racing, but I want to yeah. be behind the scenes. I don't want to be the driver. Like, that never appealed to me, <laughs> ever. Um, and I met Judy Dominic. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't, yeah, Judy's wonderful. And talked to her for a really long time, one race, and she tried to completely talk me out of it. And I was so stubborn <laughs> and bullheaded. And I was like, no, it's going to be awesome. Like, that's I'm totally funny. doing it. And I'm so glad I did. I'm, I'm really glad that this is the career path that I went down. So you got out of college, and did you move right down to Charlotte? How I could that... not find a job. Okay. For, like, I graduated in December and was a full-time substitute teacher just oh, wow. trying to send resumes and get a job, doing everything I could to either go Indy or Charlotte. I knew those were one of the yeah. two places. Um, lots of interviews, no jobs. Super disappointed. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was on our family vacation, and I said to our, my family on vacation, okay, when we get back, I'm going to go back to school and get my teaching degree. I'm wow. going to give up on this. Um, and we got home, and that was back when we had voicemail, you know, like yeah. the actual voicemail boxes. Yeah. Um, and we played voicemail, and there was a message from a company called PPR Plus, and they mm -hmm. said their employee, Steve Post, had mentioned me and my resume, and they were looking for an assistant for Steve. Wow. So um, I was ready to quit, got home from vacation. That message was on the voicemail. 
I drove to the interview two days after vacation and like two weeks later moved to Charlotte. So you were Steve's assistant? I was Steve's assistant. That was my that very story. first job. Oh my goodness. My very first job, I was Steve Post's so assistant. So coming full circle. Right? It's wow. crazy. Yes. Wow. All right, so what was your job? What, what would that entail? Being well, that was, we were working for Haviland, okay. which at that time was sponsoring Ricky Rudd. Okay. So it was basically learning the ins and outs of press conferences and yeah. interviews and media and schedules and hospitality appearances and that kind of stuff. So Steve would do most of the work, and I was learning how to write press releases. Yeah. And uh, it was really, really cool. And to work with someone like Steve, who has the patience of a saint, I mean, he really took his time to teach me and build me to be able to get the next job where I didn't, I was no longer assistant. I was running the program. And I owe, and I say this all the time and I mean it, I owe my career to Steve. Like if he hadn't mentioned that or mentioned me to the bosses, teaching, I I would be a teacher. I would be a teacher right now and not have ever worked in racing. Wow. It's crazy how one little thing can change your whole career. Changed everything. Life. So you were in Charlotte for a long time. You worked mm-hmm. with some of the greatest NASCAR drivers. Talk about overall those years. Um, so you get down there, and I was 22 years old, traveling the country, you know, like private jets and your rental cars out there waiting for you, and then you're in a helicopter going to an appearance. I'm like, I'm 22. Back then, I probably yeah, thought like, that was super cool like and awesome. Like living a life. Now yeah. I look and think, I was so young. Like, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> like, why would someone just set a 22-year-old up and go, just go? Yeah. It was crazy. Um, really, really fun, especially when you're in your 20s. Yeah. That was awesome. You're meeting all kinds of new people. Um, I did work with some amazing drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, my, you know, my favorite, I loved working with Mark Martin. Yes. Like, those were the highlight years. And how long did you work for him? I had three years with Mark. Okay. Um, his three years at Hendrick Motorsports. So 2009, 10, 11. 2009, he won five races, was right there for yeah. the championship with Jimmy. Yes, he was. I think it might have hurt me more when we did win the championship <laughs> than him. Or I remember we were in the thick of things, and he led a lot of laps at the Brickyard. Yeah. And I'm like, we're going to win this race. We're going to win this race. And Jimmy won it. And I think Mark finished second or third, maybe. And I, that one was like, you know, as a girl growing up in dirt track race, yeah. you're open with race, and you want Indy. Yeah. I think I wanted that more than anyone. So that one was painful. And they told me, they're like, hey, we need you to go help with Jimmy and Victory Lane. Like, I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to go help Jimmy. <laughs> Like, I am mad at Jimmy right now. Like, I don't want to go. But it was really cool years. And, I mean, you know Rick Hendrick. He's amazing. I mean, to do any kind of work with him is such, like, those are the memories you will take with you forever. Yeah. And I think I just got to the point, and and people have told me, when you're done, you'll know you're done. Yeah. Like, you, you will not question it. You'll know. And I just got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to live out of a suitcase. Yeah. I don't want to travel every weekend. Um, so I actually left NASCAR for two years and worked for Hendrick Automotive Group. Okay. And that actually made me miserable. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I have to go back to racing. Like, I need to find that happy medium of racing yeah. but not traveling every weekend. Um, so I joined Spire uh, Sports yeah. Entertainment. And right away, like, the first person I worked the most with was Kyle Larson. So this dirt thing started coming really back. fueling. And, you know, forever I would have loved to have worked in dirt, but there was no money in it. Yeah. You couldn't have a full-time job in dirt. And that was changing. I mean, uh, working on Wing Nation, uh, things were changing. Yeah. The, the dirt racing was getting more attention. Teams were starting to hire PR people. Yeah. Um, it was, I was in the right place at the right time and got to transition my NASCAR career to a completely yeah. dirt career. And um, the Knoxville thing was just insane and I still can't believe this has happened 
So going back to the Wing Nation thing, how did you and Steve start Wing Nation? I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful oh, Steve you did because now I have a good yeah, job. Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> like it's therapy to get to talk about racing. Exactly. So um, thank you. But how did it come about? Steve started it. I mean, it was um, Steve and Craig Moore started this like World of Outlaw podcast. And it was the 50th annual Knoxville Nationals. Mm -hmm. And they knew I was out here. So Steve called and said, hey, when you get back, will you come on the show just to do like a recap of the Nationals? So I came on the show one time and we talked about the 50th annual, which was awesome. I mean, Tim Schaefer was huge wins. Really exciting. And after that, I mean, I think the three of us just started talking. Oh, see, (laughs) sorry. I was like, you know, the winner. That's yeah. so bad that we no. do that. But no. yes, I mean, literally. I no, I remember like my 19, dad so introducing no me to you, though. Yeah, and he's I like, this he girl is huge. The first year that I came, I, I've oh. always loved your dad. Oh, he, I'm a big fan. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I think it, I remember sitting with Steve at a restaurant in Concord, and he says, "I think we're going to do this. Like, I think we're going to yeah. make this an actual like weekly show." would you want to be in on it? And I, I had to go back to Hendrick and ask them, like, my lunch break might be a little longer on Tuesdays. Yeah. And they were totally cool with it. And um, I remember talking about what we're going to name it. I, I specifically remember the restaurant and everything when we oh, named nice. it Wing Nation. And to see that take off. I remember when the Mav TV came, part came on. Yeah. And we're like, really? Like, it's going to be a TV show? Like, this little radio show is going to be a TV show? And I remember filming the pilot at the NASCAR Hall of Fame downtown and just hoping they would accept it and it was right yeah. and it would all work. Um, it's just awesome to see what that show's become yeah. because fans really rally around that show. Yeah. And they wanted that. The, the sprint car community is Need so it, uh, hungry yeah. to be accepted yeah. and to feel important and like they matter. And Wing Nation did that for them. Yes. They had a place that was just for them. And mm-hmm. to know it was kind of a NASCAR entity that was creating yeah. something just for them. Gave it some credit. Really. Yeah. I mean, they... I think it made them feel like, okay, NASCAR sees us. Yeah. We, we aren't just this grassroots redneck race fans. Like, they get it. We're yeah. big. Yeah. And that was, um, I think Wing Nation changed a lot of things for sprint car racing. Wow. Well, thank you very much for. Oh, no, thanks, Stephen Craig. I mean, <laughs> they created it and then just trusted me to do it with them, which I do. I still don't understand, but they trusted me. Uh, well, it, regardless, we yeah, appreciate you it. You and Ashley are just like, it's so fun for me to watch it now because I'm thanks. like, this is even better, really, to not have the work involved and just get to enjoy yeah. it. So thank you. Absolutely. So how did this whole thing come about to become the general manager of the the Knoxville oh, Raceway? So crazy, I mean, right? So crazy. Um, when I was in my miserable years at Hendrick Automotive Group, and that's nothing against Rick Hendrick, it just wasn't me, a, right? Yeah, like I'm not a car. Gig I, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I started working like as a volunteer with the Jeff Gordon Children's Foundation, mm-hmm. and we started hosting these kick it like charity oh, yeah. kickball events out here, and without any intention of it. I guess people started kind of paying attention to what we were doing. Like, how are they getting this much money? I mean, we got, I think over three years, we had more than half a million dollars raised in Knoxville alone. And um, they were like, what what are they doing? What are they creating? Who's doing this? Yeah. Um, So apparently I raised, you know, some attention from the fair board. And when Brian Stickle said, um, I'm leaving, I guess that would have been 2005, um, right before nationals, he said, "I'm, I'm done, I'm leaving. So they knew they needed to hire someone to kind of fill that role. And that year, I remember I, gosh, I hate when people do this now, but I snuck my car on property and parked in a spot that I shouldn't have. Um, and now I want to kill everyone that does that. It's like, there's nowhere to park. Stop doing that. I totally did that all the time. But I remember oh. I was parked there and a fair board member walked by and said, if you weren't the next president of this track, I'd tow your car. 
And I just kind of laughed at him. I was like, okay, like, what is he talking? I, I had no idea. And then that week, a couple more of them pulled me aside and said, we really want to wow. discuss this job with you. And I remember laughing. Like, I was like, look, I'm a race fan that likes to drink a dingus. Like, I'm just <laughs> here to have fun. And they said, that's what we want. Like, we want you to be a fan. We want you to be just like the fans who come here. Like, you have to know them yeah. and be with them. And I didn't want to take the job because... I would have to move to Iowa. And I was like, nope, no, I'm in Charlotte. I'm good. I'm not going to yeah. move further from my family. And then I just thought, I can't do this. Like, I, this job's too big. And if I failed at this and screwed up my favorite place on earth, <laughs> I would never forgive myself, ever. And I just said, no, I'm not doing it. And I remember I went to Wing Nation and I was talking to Craig Moore. And I said, um, I turned it down. I'm not doing it. And I said, I think they're going to hire, you know, this is how. I'm so stupid sometimes. Um, they said, uh, well, I guess if you're not going to do it, we'll just hire some kind of like sports or, or, you know, advertising agency here in Iowa to run everything. And I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. You know, I work for an ad agency and a sports agency and never even thought about it. And, and Craig Moore's actually when I said, why doesn't Spire do it? And I was like, oh, that, yeah, like why doesn't Spire do it? So I took it back to the office and sat down with the two owners of Spire and said, look, this is a deal. I want to do it, but I can't do it alone. Yeah. I, I, it's a lot to take on. And um, I said, but you guys have to decide if it's worthwhile for you. And at that point, they had done mostly NASCAR. Yeah. You know, some dirt track stuff with Kyle or Rico or Ricky Stenhouse, but they had never done like Major. to this level. And they said, do you want to do it? As I want. I really want to do it. And I remember their first reaction was, you know, we kind of need you at the office. If you can stay here, we'll have somebody else move out there. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to do it. If I'm going to do it, it's me. Yeah. I'm going out to do it. Um, I don't think I, gosh, it's terrible to say. I don't think I would have trusted anyone else. Like, it's terrible no. to be like, That's what makes I know how successful. this goes. Yeah. So please. Um, so then they worked out a deal where I only had to live out here during the season. Yeah. And that made it much more manageable. And um, so the year I started was exactly 20 years from when I was Knoxville Queen. And I remember saying... When they gave me the key that they're like, this opens every door on property. I was like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I was like, don't give this to me. Don't give this key to me. <laughs> I think like 17 year old me like geeked out and was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I always, so when I was thinking about the job and I couldn't decide what I wanted to do, there's an ESPN reporter named Ryan McGee, mm -hmm. who I love mm -hmm. dearly. And we were talking about it at Darlington. And he said, you know, let 17-year-old you freak out about this moment, that they even want you to come do this job. Yeah. Like, just let yourself have that moment of being excited, but let 37-year-old decide if it's the right decision or not. And that was some of the best right, advice I got, and he was just amazing with it. We still talk about that moment. but um, So, yeah, I started in 2016, and four years later... Still rolling, still freaking out, still thinking I can't handle all this. How has it changed in four years? I mean, from the first year to now, you must be much more comfortable in your role. No. No? <laughs> Things. I don't think so. I really? think I think it's, I put so much pressure on myself. Like, okay, that was great. So the next event has to be better. You know, that do not bomb something. But I also am very honest about if something we do bombs, we just won't ever do it again. Yeah. At least we tried. We thought outside the box. And we tried. And if I'm not too proud to say that didn't work, yeah. we'll never do it again. And there are a few things that we've done that I will never do again. Really? Yeah. So I think that, like, I've learned that from to it. To be okay with. To be okay yeah. with failing. 
Um, and I have to remember a lot of the times my worst critic is me. I'm, I'm probably not even a lot of the times, all Always, of the time. Yeah. My worst critic is myself. And, um, you know, nationals, there's so much going on and there's so much attention to detail, which truthfully I'm terrible at. So I'm writing notes constantly. Like I will have notes written on my arms, my hands. I saw you at the board meeting this morning. Yes. Like I'm constantly, <laughs> like if it goes through my head, write it down because if I don't, it will be out yeah. of the head in, in five seconds. So it's, it's a lot to, to keep up with. And mm-hmm. I know things are going to fall through the cracks. Yeah. I know I'm going to disappoint people because I'll forget something. Um, but I try to remind myself that a lot of those times I might be the only person that knows that I forgot that yeah. and to let it slide. A little grace goes a long yeah. way. So from your years in NASCAR where you worked with companies that were Fortune 500 companies, you know, million-dollar companies, what are some of the things that you've learned there that you brought here to Knoxville? Every sponsor or partner is different. You cannot go with a cookie-cutter proposal mm-hmm. and say, this is what we're going to do for you. So I look at every company we go to, and I get on their website, and I research a little bit about what they are, who, you know, what, what do they do? You know, if it's a small company... They might use a sponsorship here as a an employee event. Yeah. They bring out all their employees. They have a little dinner before the races or they go up in a suite. But if it's a big public-facing company, they're going to pass out tickets to their customers. Yeah. And they're going to have 300 people in the grandstands. So you have to look at these at every sponsor as super unique. And how do you deliver what their specific goals are? Because they're all different. Yeah. And we really try to do that and to customize and tailor everything. And I think that a lot of times people overlook that and say, you know, this is our silver package and this is our gold package. Choose one. Yeah. It's like you can't do that. Um, So the years in NASCAR really helped me with that. It's always start with what do you want to achieve with this? Help you, yeah. Right. It's always what can we do for you? Um, And sometimes that's great and sometimes we get bit by it. Yeah. But you keep learning and you keep evolving um, and it's been really, really cool to see some of these big corporate yeah. sponsors come into grassroots racing yes. and, and take us seriously and say, we want to be here. That's awesome. So I have to ask you the, the woman question. Um, you know, being a, a woman in a male-dominated arena, um, there's not a lot of other female promoters or general managers. What are some of the challenges, or have you not really had to deal with any? Um, oh, no, I've dealt with them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the hardest thing is that there are some people I try to work with that just say, well, I'll just, I'll just talk to John. Mm. And I'm like, you know, all John's going to do is come talk to me, yeah. you know, but okay. Like yeah. that's still frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating when I can be forceful in a situation and a man can be forceful in a situation. The man is respected for it. You're a- I'm a B. Yeah. <laughs> And that's really, that is hurtful. Yeah. And I get super frustrated with it, and I just have to be like, take a deep breath and let it go because yeah. those things aren't going to change. And, you know, I talk to a lot of females that want to become in the sport, and it's, um, it's, it's hard for me to say this because it's such a double standard, but I'm like, you have to watch how you carry yourself. It's true. You it's have to watch true. how you dress. You have to watch how you I are when you're drinking. I wish it wasn't that way, but... Me too. Yeah. I wish that it wasn't that way. But if you want to be taken seriously, yeah. you have to work four times harder yeah. than any man in the sport. Mm-hmm. Because they're taken seriously just by walking in the infield. Yeah. They're taken seriously. They're good. You have to prove yourself. And not just one time. Many over times you have to prove yourself. When I first started here... one slip. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I first started here, there were some drivers that would not speak to me. 
would not work with me, would not speak to me, wanted nothing to do with me. Went as far as to tell the fair board, you just made the biggest mistake. Oh, my God. So it was, that was a lot to get over. Yeah. Um, but I'm really proud that I think I have proven myself. Yeah. And now those same drivers are the first ones that will come to me and go, hey, I want to d- bounce this idea off you. Yeah. That, that to me is super rewarding. So anytime I still get the, I'm just going to go talk to a man that yeah. knows what's going on. Anytime I get that now, I'm like, okay, go ahead. Because I know in the end, I will be involved in the process yeah. somewhere. Whether you know it or not, I know I'm involved in the process. Yeah. And that the trust that John McCoy and the fair board has in me. I mean, it's an all-male fair, fair board and me. That's awesome. And the trust they have in me has really built me up to say, when other, when other people don't, I'm okay. Yeah. So come Saturday night of the Knoxville Nationals, and it's A-Main time. You, so mm-hmm. your job's pretty much done. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's not best. totally because you saw Victory Lane and all that other stuff. But how much pride do you have, wherever you watch from, seeing this place packed, seeing new corporate sponsors? Like, how, how cool is that? It's, it, like, I feel like I'm getting teary now. Like, <laughs> that is the moment during the week that I feel like I first take a breath. Yeah. And I usually go in the center tower of the infield, and it's kind of yeah. quiet. You know, it's just me and, like, Mike Fisher usually – we're standing there, and I'm just like, like, exhale, because once those cars, like, driver intros yeah. are over, which driver intros are a handful. Once those are over, <laughs> it's like, okay, now I'm like, I'm, there's nothing more I can do. Yeah. It is what it is now. It's either going to be a show that fans will remember forever, yeah. or somebody's going to lead every single lap, but that's okay. Yeah. There is nothing I can do about it, this from here on out. And I do look around, you know, when Wade does the light thing with the cell yep. phones, and you hear the crowd, and... It's so rewarding to know I was a part of this. A like, big part. Oh, see, I, I like, like, I'm a small part. No, a very large part. But it is like this feeling of like, I hope that somebody walks away from this week with a memory that will last a lifetime. That's awesome. Whether it's a driver, a little kid, a family, um, an elderly fan who's like, this year topped yeah. last year. Those are the memory. That means more to me than any sponsor I'm going to get, any amount of yeah. money we bring in here. Any kind of event that we create that was a success, the idea that fans leave with a memory that they'll have forever yeah. is what means the most to me. It, we started off the conversation talking a lot about family, and I know you have a lot of family here. You've got a, a niece right here in the room. Yes. I saw your dad last night. How neat is it for you, on top of all we just talked about at the track, but to have your family that you're so close to still be a part of it? And I think that's what's so rewarding now. I mean, I, I was the one that didn't love racing when I was yeah. a kid. I was the one who didn't want to be here. <laughs> and now I'm the one that's, I mean, my brother races, but, yeah. but I'm, like, involved on the business yes. level of it. So it's like I know the behind the scenes and the politics that are going on, and I'm like, how did this happen? But to have them here and supporting what I do. Yeah. Is really really cool, and and the kids doing things that my sister and I say, remember when we did that? Yeah, um, that's awesome to to kind of start that next generation, and um, they give me a lot of feedback, some positive, some negative. I <laughs> learn a lot family. from them, but it is. I mean, that's they're going to be your biggest cheerleaders, and they want you to succeed yeah. more than anybody. So listen, like I've learned yeah. that they drive me crazy sometimes, but you've got to listen because they want it for you more than you want it for yourself, yeah. and. Um, this week is special, especially with Dad, obviously. Yeah. You know, he was the star here, and I was Kenny's daughter, and now he walks around, and they're like, hey, it's Kendra's dad. And yeah. That's really cool, for, I think, for both of us. For sure. Um, so it's fun. It's, it's awesome. The kids love it, and they always say, it's so cool that you have a job that's fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> it's work, so it's fun. fun. 
fun. So do um, you still find your, some time to head over to the Dingus? I do. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to lie, last night I was there pretty late. I have found a way to still have fun without partaking awesome. heavily. Um, and I think that's the key where you can still wake up pretty yeah. clear-minded, even if it's little sleep. But you have to take those moments. Yes. If you make it all work and serious, you're just going to become angry and negative. And yes. I have fallen into that trap. <laughs> um, but when you go to Dingus, everyone's having fun. And you see yeah. guys like Jeff Gordon here hanging out with the fans. <laughs> and the fans are really, like, leaving him alone. Yeah. It's like this is what makes our sport so special. Mm-hmm. We all treat everyone so equally. And we say this is this you're part of us your family if you're here and um i love those moments of being able to just kind of step back and see that well thank you for the interview thank you you for all you've done for knoxville thank you for creating wing nation (laughs) i didn't steve did yeah no thank you very much thank you thanks for having me what a passion kendra has for the sport and i'm glad we had the chance to share that with you here today with thousands of laps long drydeen's drf racing oils were built and proven on the track And now they're ready for your race engine. DRF is engineered exclusively for high horsepower racing engines that require maximum performance against the toughest competition. And DRF racing and break-in oils are built with competition-grade ZDDP to protect critical engine components while boasting improved torque and horsepower and superior temperature reduction. To get DRF in your engine, go to drfracing.com or call 1-877-DRIVE. Winged Nation presents, presented by Driving DRF Racing Oils. Yo, chicken so crispy, sauce so sweet, Del Tacos, your tacos make crispy leaves. A crispy chicken taco with honey and mango, Del, you make my heart go bang, 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 Only one dollar for me to savor, I'm in love with honey mango flavor. Slide into Del Taco for the honey mango crispy chicken taco. Del Taco's newest crispy chicken taco is just one dollar. Price and participation may vary. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. 